Good morning, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm yours, morning, my coach as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Arsenal take on Burnley. Oh, West Ham first. The revenge for Declan Rice, hopefully. We take on Burnley and then, you know, Champions League knockout stages for the first time in a while against Porto. Yeah. So, yeah, the West Ham game at the London Stadium. Yeah, it was time for somewhat of a of payment. Uh I mean, I think the game also kicks off at a sort of frenetic pace. Arsenal looking almost like, you know, to right the wrongs from, from what was happening before Christmas last season, uh, last year. And I mean, Arsenal end up getting the breakthrough 32nd minute. Uh, Saliba with a header. West Ham totally at 6 and 7 at the set piece. Yeah, I was going to say that's the perfect thing to 6 and 7 because they were under pressure from the word go, from the. From the kickoff, like you know, you, you the commentators, you know, even criticizing West Ham, saying that they're quite far behind in this game or behind the pace of the game. Look at just onto West Ham quickly. And, um, you know what? I don't understand. I mean, look, I know that the decision happened, I think, early on in the season, but with 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 um, Fabianski ending up losing his place to to Ariola. I mean, I've yeah. I mean, I've personally never rated him, even when when Ariola was at, at PSG. Because I always thought, I mean, look, eventually it also saw them bring in, in like, you know, new goalkeepers at the club. and Because I think uh, Navas, in uh, Kevlar Navas, he ended up being the, the goalkeeper there also eventually, yeah. like, deposing him. But I just wonder, I mean, like, what people see him. Because I've watched him now, like, you know, now almost like for years now. And I've, like, what I noticed every time I had set pieces also. And I mean, it's not like when you play a, a team that's, at the moment, like you look, we are that that in that superior level now at the moment with set pieces. I think the stats speak for themselves at the moment with Arsenal's goals from set pieces. Uh he just does not come out like anywhere close to that, that six yard box, even like you know, to to you know almost like to dominate the his box. He you know, like just stands and watches almost like waiting for the defenders to to you know kind of bail him out. Yeah, I know and 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 and, and even we had Fulham also. I don't mean we met Fulham there, yeah. we got relegated that season, so it's not like you say he paints himself in glory. Like yeah, he's a decent keeper, but I mean he's not not not, not going to um like you said bail West Ham out. You know some keepers can single-handedly get you points, but you know he's not one of them. Yeah. Then forty-first uh, minute, uh, you know a fantastic through ball by uh, Trossard that beats the offside trap of West Ham. I mean it's actually a terrible <laughs> offside trap, but yeah. uh, Saka ends up beating the trap. He ends up going wide of, of Areola. Areola just sticks out the leg randomly and ends up tripping Saka. Stonewall penalty. Yeah, I know. I mean, we need that, that second goal. And it gave Saka that opportunity to right his wrong from yeah. you know, last season where we had the penalty attempt and then he kind of fluffed his lines there. Yeah. And I mean, he ends up sending the keeper the wrong way and Arsenal go 2-0 up. You know, cruising, but you know, the ghost of last season still lingered in my head. I don't know how you felt, but I was still like, I was, I mean, uh, now I was like kind of buzzing. And then, I mean, like, what three minutes later, set piece again from the sidelines, uh, fantastic cross into the box from Declan Rice. Uh, Gabriel ends up ghosting through the defensive line of West Ham, and with a keeper standing flat footed on his goal line, he nods the ball past, and it's 3 0. Yeah, I know Gabriel was. I mean, Declan Rice has become like David Beckham or something like that. The way, ever since he's come back from the, you know, that warm weather training, I mean, he's been on all our set pieces from the right hand side. 
and I mean free kicks as well. Like he's been quite pinpoint, you know, at this point. Then about uh, 120 seconds later, Trossard ends up again with a total mess in the West Ham defence. He ends up getting goal side of the of uh, Zuma. And ends up curling the ball past the keeper and Arsenal go 4 0 up and leads to a half time exodus at the London Stadium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all just started walking out as the, the camera pans out. For once, it wasn't Arsenal being humiliated. Like, you know, where the fans were just, you know, storming off. Yeah, but I mean, look, I've seen Arsenal fans, <coughs> excuse me, leaving the, the Emirates, but I mean, in droves like that, that they showed with like, even the that aerial camera was catching you. <laughs> They certainly can't all go for beers or drinks or the, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then for sixty third minute, I mean fantastic play again by Arsenal, like you know, almost like in a sweeping move. And I mean by the time Saka cuts inside and shoots past Ariola, I mean the goalkeeper just ends up standing dead still and watch the ball go past him. Yeah, five 0 to the Arsenal and you know, you kind of feel not felt sorry for West Ham, but yeah, I was thinking, like, yo, where's this game going? But I did say I wanted an aggregate revenge over West Ham. Look, yeah, look, I'm not going to get into the details of the graphics, but it was that point in my mind where I was going, destroy them, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, was it again two minutes later? I don't know what it was with, with the way they were defending West Ham, but I mean, they were, it was like having lapses and... You know what was actually funny watching that game? We, I mean, some people that, that look okay. Sometimes I have there's certain things that are, that aspects that I like about uh, Ward Prowse, right? Like I mean, set pieces and and like the way he can detect things in midfield. Sometimes, but I mean, he was so overrun. I mean, even my son was telling me, just look at him, Daddy. He's not even running anymore. He's <laughs> watching the ball and he played past him. And I mean, by the 65th minute. I mean, fantastic layup by Kai Havertz. I mean, Odegaard and Trossard end up almost running into each other. They end up leaving the ball. Ball rolls out to, to Declan Rice. And I mean, something like a 25 or 30 yard. He just ends up sending it screaming to the top corner. 6-0. Yeah, that's what you call six of the best. <laughs> <laughs> that was now, I mean, humiliation station. Because, I mean... I mean, I honestly didn't expect something like that. But, I mean, what I liked was that that sort of, you know, I mean, you and I have been nagging about this whole time, that ruthlessness. And, and it seems that that sort of cutthroat style of play played out itself in that stadium on, on, on that day. Because, I mean, everything they were eating, I mean, if it wasn't like the keeper or us just narrowed, narrowly missing. But, I mean, we were on the money all the time. And, and, I mean, this also like has been a topic of discussion. What is your thoughts? I mean, like, you see now, no Jesus up front. I mean, look, I know he, he plays a big part in, in, in games and that, but I don't know, sometimes I just find for, for like, your number nine, I, th- I think he still aspects to his game. Even at, at, at somebody that's in his, like, you know, other side of 25 now, that he still wastes a lot of chances. Yeah, for me, Trossard seems a bit more deadly in Vertical. Trossard also misses his chances, but yeah. he seems a bit more deadly. And I think um, last, last season, we, we actually... Made a mistake by throwing Trossard out the team, not throwing him out the team, but just like kind of letting him lose his spot. And he was playing very well at the point, you know, allowing the rest of the team to play free flowing. So that happened now as well. And, and now he's, I hope we've learned from that way, you know, allowed Trossard to play in that role and allow him to just continue playing, even if, you know, things 
Yeah, even if Jesus is coming back, allow Jesus to fight for his position. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's also something I'm going to bring up later on in the talking point section. Like, also wanted to get your input and, and your opinion also about it. Uh, then we move on to the next match at Turf Moor. Uh, Arsenal going to to Burnley. I mean, Burnley have been having a terrible season. I mean, for a team that, that you know, really raced to the, to the championship, like, you know, for promotion. Almost like having a sort of red hot season like Leicester City are currently having in, in the championship at the moment. This time, Arsenal didn't muck about. Again, another fixture where... Odegaard gets us one or up within four minutes. Yeah, I know that was that was brilliant, you know, to, to start off such a fast paced game and you know, like you said, pairing the opposition before they can know what, what's happening. And I mean what I also liked of, of that was it's almost like that sort of finishing that we've been nagging about Odegaard that he's been lacking in that, that you know, that period when we were struggling. Yeah. And now it's almost like he's he's got that shooting boots on again. Because I mean, also he he's, he's uh, dribbling and in and his um, creating uh, or creative side of his game, it's almost like coming to the fore again. And I think that was something that was really lacking in 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 late November and the most of December. Yeah, I know you you was battling a bit. I think Odegaard. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy to see that he's back back to himself. I mean that goal. <laughs> Sorry, the charge he missed against Liverpool in the FA Cup where he like clatters the ball into the crossbar. I mean. That summed him up, actually. But, you know, it's like after that warm weather training, it just seemed like he came back a new player. Then, uh, in the 41st minute, clumsy tackle by West Ham in the defence, tripping Trossard. I mean, I, I think it was kind of soft penalty. I mean, like, if I'm now, you know, looking at it. Yeah. A, I mean, it was kind of soft. But, I mean, it was also stupid, the tackle. It was really stupid. And, I mean, he ends up tripping Trossard. Ref gives a penalty. Even with VAR check also, it was given. Saka steps up. I mean, Trafford ends up going the right way, but I mean, Saka has placed the ball so perfectly. Keeper can't get to it, and it's 2 0 Arsenal. Yeah, no, 2 0 to Arsenal. And I think it is going to always go downhill there from Burnley, you know, because of the form they're in at the moment. You know, with the other team, you kind of try to have your wits about you, but, you know, Burnley are a team right now that, you know, when it rains, it storms, basically. Yeah. Then second half, I mean, Arsenal comes so damn quick out of the traps. I think it's like something also again, like 120 seconds into the second half. Arsenal again on the front foot. Saka ends up scoring again and Arsenal go 3-0 up. Yeah, I know that, that, that game looked, you know, beyond doubt more and more. And I think that again, you know, could Arsenal eat six again? And I think it was also a case of... Look, they, they uh, barely tried to say the physical approach, but I mean, Arsenal were <clears throat> interchanging positions so quick and so far, like the, the, the fluency on the game was very fast, which I really like. I mean, that brand of football I really do like when Arsenal play it and they turn on the style. And I mean, you could see that Burnley could not live with us. Yeah, no, they were trying to, but they couldn't. The golfing class was too great. And I mean, the more, I mean, in between, uh, Trossard also had a few missed chances. And then I think closer to the time where he was going to get subbed, like, you know, that tactical sub, he ends up banging a, a, a fourth goal in the 66th minute. You know, adding to his tally, I mean, he's quite high up on the top scoring sheets for Arsenal this season, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he's, yeah. he's actually... Pushing up crazy states also. And he's played like... um. Less minutes than, than some of the guys actually, and ah, yeah. uh, and, he's, and he's and he's up there with the uh, the top scorers. 
Yeah, I heard also he's he's not third behind, I think, on the re-end. Who was the other one that they mentioned also? It's Arsenal. I don't know if it was Van Persie. And then him with that, that goal set, that now appearance with goal ratio. It's so, so I like you know, I like class. So I mean crazy. And he's our and he's our second scorer in the top scorer in the Premier League with seven goals. Yeah. But I mean followed, some... by, followed by our flop signing, supposedly Kai Havertz with five. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the flop signing, uh, I don't know where Burnley came with a rule book or whatever, but when they tried to play the offside trap to a long throw from Kim <laughs> I mean, it's all like open season on, on Burnley as Havertz uh, ends up collecting the ball, ends up not making the last man. And then easily gone, uh, sliding the ball, ball past the advancing keeper and also go 5-0 up, game set and match. Yeah, I was hoping for six of the best again, but, you know, I'll take five this time. Yeah, okay, you again being a bit too greedy for my liking, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> we know you have high standards, Aiden. We've come a long way from complaining, you know, for not finding <laughs> the back of the net. Well, don't the, some people always say Arsenal fans are very hard to please? If, if the yeah, I know. I think we are very hard to please. <laughs> so, we move our attention now to the uh, Champions League midweek fixture uh, in Portugal to play FC Porto. Um, look, I'm gonna, before we even get into the match itself, I just want to also say, look, since we do the podcast, and it, we, we're not somebody that really nag and moan too much about officials and officiating. But I find this Dutch guy that was, you know, in charge of the game, piss poor. I mean, it's as raw as I can put it because I've never seen a guy. I mean, that, that is why I was telling even friends, like fellow Arsenal fans, also. What I found annoying was, I mean, if you at this level of the Champions League, like that, that even last sixteen or whatever, you need to have a more elite type of ref that that's gonna call things. And what was pissing me off was. You could clearly see the sort of game plan that Porto had set out with Conceição with a, uh, you know, the minute we turn on that physicality, they're going to go eat a dick. I mean, there were times that the yeah. tackles weren't even really going in. I mean, the way there was a, a certain point in that game where, where um, I think his son, the, the coach's son, tried to get Kai Havertz sent off when Kai Havertz was booked and then he tried to almost like off, throw himself across the, the, the feet of, of Havertz to show him like he was tripped and it was like a clear uh, con job. And this ref was just allowing certain things to go on, which was really, really annoying me. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, the report, every time there was a, a, a slight nudge or something, I the way that Porto player would be rolling all over the floor. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the goalie of this Costa, when, when, when his own player stepped on his foot, and the ref could give a, a free kick to Porto. Yeah, to, no, it, uh, it, it was actually like poor... But Arsenal also, in the same breath, were kind of playing a laboured game. I'm not sure what, yeah. what what it was that they were trying to do or what the game plan was because we kind of deviated from the game plan we've had the the whole season. Yeah. The whole season of the past few games. Past now, you know, where we've been bagging almost an average of you know, three a game. Because, I mean, look, for, like, for, you know what this game honestly reminded me of that game at Craven Cottage. It played out yeah. the same way because we had the possession, whatever. But we seemed, I mean, like, and I think a lot of people have mentioned this, and like a lot of, like, not pundits only, but like, you know, also like those on social media, Arsenal fans, and that, that were talking about 
it, it almost like showed our naivety and, and, and immaturity in, in a game like this. Because look, yeah. look, Porto, I mean, everybody was having a laugh at, 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 you know, Pepe being like, what, 40 and whatever. But I mean, they had like experienced guys on that field. But I mean, they were controlling that game, like almost like a chessboard type of thing. Because we were like passing, passing. And I mean, we were just clocking up like 70, 80% uh, position. Uh, but nothing was coming on it because there was even showing stats that, we weren't even testing the goalkeepers at, at, at the goalkeeper at, at most times. And <clears throat> we were just like toying, toying with him instead of, you know, going, as you said now, trying to go that sort of gameplay of going cutthroat and going for the kill. Because it was like just playing into uh, Porto's hands without us even knowing we're playing into their hands. Yeah, you know, on the one hand, I guess you can look at it that way. And on the other hand, you know, we could have gone kind of gung-ho and then, not gung-ho, but, you know, like we did the past few weeks and then, you know, you concede one and you're trying to chase another one and you concede two, you know, and you're 2 nil down going to the Emirates. But, you know, we 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 kind of, I think, walked down to play a safe approach. The name is the type of Unai Emre way when he got us to that, you know, Europa League final where you just kind of tried to make sure you don't lose by more than one goal or something like that in the yeah. first leg or... And, and just, you know, try to blow the team away in the second league. But it's still a risk, though, you know. All it takes now is for to, to get the early goal at the Everest and we're all, you know, looking around at each other. And it, 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 it could be a very dangerous second leg. Look, my take is, look, I think they are, we can do it, like, you know, at the Emirates because we can play a more, even more in expansive role. We've got the home crowd also going for us. Because, I mean, Porto's going to play, as you, you know, I mean, they're going to play the exact same way. A lot of yes. people... No matter which way you're going to look at it, the situation is, is attack-minded at Porto or domestically, and even though they're having a, a shoddy season in uh, like local, uh, domestically, but I just think they're going to—they're not going to alter anything. They're going to go the same yeah. way. So it's going to be, to, uh, you know, for us to, you know, break them down. So I think it's also like a smarter head, a more mature. And one thing I also want to add before we go on to <clears throat> preview the the game this evening. I just find this match was one of Saliba's worst that I've seen. Because, I mean, he looked so out of his depth. I mean, you know, from somebody that looks so confident in what they always call the Rolls Royce in the Premier League, to see him go from that to what we saw in, in, in this match in Portugal. And then also the sort of way that, that, that <clears throat> Trossard also just ended up lo- looking totally lost in this game. I mean, look, a lot of them didn't cover themselves in glory. But for me, the two that really stood out, Really bad is, is, is Saliba and, and um, Trossard. But I think that the teams were just close the game off and no, no. I think, you know, when we were no, no, we could have you know, just taken what we had and just, you know, walk away and be like, you know what, let's just shut this game down now. We don't need to chase a game anymore. Because I don't understand Martinelli's thinking also at the very close to the death. Either, you know, hit and, like, really hit it forward, like, give something, for, like, for Saka or whoever it was on that side to to run onto. But it's almost like he was in two minds, whether he wants to not take the ball and run for time or, you know, just hoof the ball forward. So it's almost like the, the ball ended up, like, almost like a, a hospital pass. Because, I mean, it ended up getting intercepted. And then, you know, that type of curling effort that that guy took. I thought that I could have, you know, apparently, like, looking at it... Some keeper said he could have gone with his, his, you know, closer hand or strong hand, you know, but he actually went with 
he's furthest end from the ball trying to reach and you know he's in the toilet of keepers where they, you know the verdict must have been out you know David Raya easy yeah. you know the, the, the answer yes his distribution of late has been quite solid you know he gets the ball gets up quickly and bowls it out but that's something that can be taught but I mean you know these goalkeeping saves that you know sometimes you should be making that goes in the back of the net you kind of have to wonder and ask yourself, you know, is, is, is he worth signing? Yes. Or do you give Ramsdale an opportunity again? Or do you just sign, uh, I don't know, another top keeper that you can uh, play there? Because, you know, Raya seems sometimes, he, like, I mean, if you recall Aaron Ramsdale's saves that he's made over the years at Arsenal, that he's been at the club, you know, you've, you've, you've had saves of his that, you know, that save, I think, was it off Salah last season. Then it's the Madison save. It's just, you can think of a lot of saves that come to mind that he's made that you, you, you had your hand over your mouth thinking the ball's going in the net. But with Raya, he doesn't make any of those type of saves. When he's required to make a difficult save, you'll find the ball often more than not in the back of the net. I mean, I just found, like, look, there were a lot of, Things that you know that that was really wrong in that whole you know layout and play out of, of, of how that happened that goal close like in injury deep in injury time because it, it was Martinelli or like for one with that, that weird pass then it was Declan Rice failing to close down fast enough allowing the guy to cut inside and that and then of course David Raya as you said I mean I just found I'm I was actually baffled when I saw his when I started seeing a ball curl like and I saw how far he is off his line. And I thought, with you, like what Yuna just mentioned, he's not the tallest, so he's already going to start struggling if he's not even backpedaling to get himself in a you know a better position. And I mean, when I saw that ball nestling in the net, I thought, Jesus Christ, like really bad goalkeeper placement as well. Yeah, and it seems like his placement is his biggest problem. I mean, if you look at a lot of goals, he's always in the wrong place. You know, when when he's supposed to be making the save, and and and, and it keeps he keeps on doing it, and then you ask yourself. What does Ramsdale have to do? What does I have to do for Ramsdale to get opportunity? Because, I mean, uh, I think Shay Given said it, I think, a while back about... Because they were asking him, like, where, you know, he, like, you know, if he now analyzes somebody like, like, David Raya, where is his problem? And he said sometimes David Raya tries to... Look, look sometimes as a goalkeeper, you must think, almost like, you know, I'm like, say two steps ahead of what's going to happen. But from what happens, like, what happens is... He tries to be like, but too cute, too clever to to throw himself, you know, in in a situation where, if you think back even to that that game when we played at Stamford Bridge, where he's trying to be too clever to to you know to be uh, almost like more in an advanced role to the near post, and yeah. then that, that ball ends up I don't even ends up slicing off Mudrik's foot. I, I can't remember the whole thing, but it ends up catching him totally because he's like so out of position, so he's not gonna. Uh, get you know onto his goal line. He's not gonna be in a more, say, central position to any like you know any sort of miss kick or whatever that's gonna loop into the net. So he ends up going forward in a more advanced role to try to go for that, and then ends up getting the ball almost like ballooned over his head constantly. <laughs> that one game, I'm not sure if it was the West Ham game or the Fulham game, where he's also got caught out like that. Way, but yeah, that and I think that that game at the Emirates when we beat Wolves also, where he ends up getting. Caught out totally, like from a, a, a like a painting or a whip cross, where he ends up missing it. I think Kivio was also at fault, but I mean, his positioning was again so bad because he was like almost like caught out by the near post as the ball looped over him. 
Yeah, no, 100%. So yeah. move out teams, yeah, go on. No, so I think, I think it really needs to be looked at. And uh, I, I just don't, I, you know, it may sound like uh, a broken record, but I don't think it's fair that Ramsell doesn't get to look, you know, an opportunity, even though, you know, Arteta said that it's going to be two players fighting for the position and, you know, almost like infield players where, where people will get an opportunity. I just think Arteta and the club have already made up their mind because I don't know if you remember, I think in, in it was either November or December where the club already, you know, decided that it's going to be a permanently made deal because I think they were already fronting the money, that $27 million already to Brentford in January already because they were now almost like kind of happy with how things were going and, and that's why they wanted to make it already almost like near permanent already in the January window. It's not much around there, but it, it's more like it's more or, or, or yeah, it's more set in stone at the moment right now with that whole thing with him. So it's like no, like no turning back at the moment. But still, I fully agree with you because I would also, if you're gonna make the rules like that, which Arteta has done, I would have also given Ramsdale some sort of chance also to win his place back because I mean I still find it. I know we're popping on about it, but I still find it unfair. How he ended up get, losing his position for not doing actually anything wrong. Yes, I, I also agree. He did nothing wrong, and yeah, you haven't gave him a chance to redeem himself. You dropped him immediately out of the Arsenal side. Um, and was I mean, like after the international break, immediately eh? was it something? Yeah, like, it came off. I mean, we beat we, we beat Man United. Yeah, yeah. Um, three one came back from international break, and you know you found. Um, Alan Ramsdale out the squad immediately and the only other time he's played is in cup games where he hasn't really given Alan Ramsdale a little glory to, to have play around him and yeah. then he, he had the Brentford game which Alan Ramsdale kept the clean sheet but was dropped you know immediately next game so like you said it's like he made his decision but how do you make such a decision like what was it based on that Alan Ramsdale was, was just dropped out of the squad I mean it's not like he had any bad performances leading up to that game. You know, you could say, you know, he was at fault for this, he was at fault for that. Um, yeah, I mean, four of our, three, three of our four first games we won. Um, what We conceded what, four goals, but like if you look back to the goals, we conceded it wasn't really Ramsdale's fault. So, you know, Arteta, I think, hasn't been fair to Ramsdale. And, you know, it's going to be sad to see him go because, you know, he, he was loyal to the club and gave his all and you ultimately you you won't stay at the club because of how he's being treated. Yeah, because I think a, a riff of of a riff, a goalkeeper of his caliber, I think you you're not gonna get far if you're gonna just you know keep on you know playing second fiddle. And I mean I don't see it make also sense if you're gonna let the, like almost like a thirty million goalkeeper just sit there on the bench and you know almost like kind of pine or rot away because. I mean, I just think he's still there's still more to come from him, at the, especially at his age. Because I mean, look, he's way younger. So, I mean, I don't know. It's like, this also leads me to think, like, you know, how does it play out in, in the summer? Like, does he go maybe like on a season loan? You know, because look, Raya will then also be another year older for for the next season and that. So, do you like let Ramsdale and go out uh, one like, like just for one season, like fix, and then let him come back? But I mean, it's still. I mean, I just find it so waste because I just think 
especially when he was signed, you could almost like mold him into a keeper, like, you know, a number one, where yes. this guy can be a number one for almost like David Seaman type years. Exactly. That, that, that's what I felt when he came to the club. When Ramsdale came to the club, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't, you know, really thrilled that we spent 30 million on a keeper um, yeah. when we had Leno at that point. But um, we actually... He actually grew into the role quite well, and then, you know, he took it, took it in his stride, and and actually became a, a keeper and a fan favorite in the same yeah. breath. You know, I don't think Arsenal it was such attached to a goalkeeper for a long time. Maybe since the days of Chesney, where um, where you know you you as a fan enjoyed Chesney as a keeper. Yes, he had his mistakes, but Ramsdale almost reminded you of a David Seaman where. You know, he, he he could make saves. He, he was very confident. He wasn't too overconfident. But um, he actually allowed you to believe in yourself. He had that banter as a keeper as well. And you just became really fan favorite of his. Like, he was the first goalkeeper in a while that I really got behind. And then, yeah. you know, two seasons later, boom, he's finding himself, you know, not even being able to play a proper Champions League game, yeah. which he got us there. Or part of the team that got us there. Yeah. So we move our teams now to this evening's clash at the Emirates. Arsenal versus Newcastle United. The, the first fixture early on in the season was quite a contentious affair. Yeah. I mean, also very controversial with the way the whole thing played out. Like from the way the officials were checking the game, the way Newcastle went about playing the game, and also the way VAR was. I still find it very poor from... Like, you know, all around it was a poor game. And then also, end to that, our performance was almost like, almost like very slow. And almost like by the time we ended up conceding, then the team ended up trying to, you know, wake up at them. And then it was already kind of too late. So, third meets eight at the Emirates. Um, Newcastle on the league, on, on league form now, last five ma- um, matches in the in the league. It's like two wins, two draws, one loss. And I mean, that one loss being to Man City. Also, five league matches, five uh, uh, one. Uh, going into this game, as of uh, like, you know today, twenty fourth of February, Arsenal players out: Zinchenko, Jesus, Tomiyasu, Party, and uh, of course, long term is Timber. But I mean, uh, and I do know um, Arteta did say in his press conference there could be you know opportunity for Zinchenko and Jesus to maybe play. I mean, he said he'll probably still check it out how things play out. And then of course, Newcastle. Uh, Isaac is going to be a doubt, but I mean, whenever I see that written, they, more often than not, they're going to play. Then Wilson is out, Anderson is out, Joe Linton is out, Willock is a doubt, uh, Matt Target's out, Pope is out, and then of course, Donali serving that long term suspension. Oh, it sounds like they have quite a bit of absentees, but I do think, you know, that Arsenal have some, you know, debt to repay against yeah. Newcastle and yeah. what happened at St. James's Park. and. Even last season when they came to the Emirates, they they, they just camped. They they didn't yes, come there to play you. at all. So yeah. Arsenal better be aware of that and you know take that into consideration when we we, we play them and we don't get you know thrown into that game again. Because what, what what annoys me is you know Saka's a brilliant player and then you every time you know have him coming up against Dan Byrne and it's like you know we don't play those things that Dan Byrne actually. You know, shuts Bukayo Saka at the game. Um, one thing to mention also, I do feel that, you know, Kivio is actually coming into his role 
now playing at this inverted left back as well. And then now he, he, he almost makes it a back three at times as well. Now, at the moment, like from what the way they explained it the other day also, he's actually now sitting more as a natural left back. He's not do, doing that inverted stuff because I think that is where he was really getting caught up. Ben White is now doing the roaming now. He's yeah. The, the darting forward and that. And he actually, like, I think space-wise also Ben White, as that neck now, and I mean, since he came now back from that summer training with the squad from Dubai, he actually looks now way sharper than he was, you know, leading up to that uh, um, trip in Dubai. So, I mean, I think that is now the, the key because, as you said, now the one part where you were right now there is like they are now almost like playing like a back three at times. But I mean, when they have to s- sit in the back four, they back four, but they're not letting him venture like he used to do because. I noticed he was really struggling, like when he was trying to do the Zinchenko role. It just was not fitting his whole type of play. And I think that was like we I was I think we still had a talk about also where it's like he's getting all like bad reviews from from people because he's not like forced into a, a situation that he's not comfortable in. We clearly could see he's not comfortable in a in an inverted role. And I mean now that he's playing more like a natural left back, like you know Tierney would in that he's actually doing way better now. Yeah, it actually pretty that TNE wasn't used like that, and Arteta never thought of that, because you know TNE and Kiri are better defenders than Zinchenko is. You know, in my opinion, I'm not saying Zinchenko is a bad player, but stability-wise, I mean, there's no secret why we haven't been conceding as much in our last few games. You know, I mean, yeah. even if you look at the game against Liverpool, we conceded, but it wasn't. Like it was a silly goal that was um, conceded, if you know what I mean. But I think since Kivio has been playing in that back line, we haven't conceded much. I think he came on for Sinchenko at half time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I what, what I like about him also is like he gets the ball underfoot away fast. Yeah. He doesn't like try to, oh yeah, I'm going to try to nutmeg you, or I'm going to try to skill you with something. <laughs> he just tries to get rid of that ball, get the, the action moving. And I think. That's also now a thing that's brought a fluidity more in the squad. Like, and I mean, you can see also Martinelli looks sharper now with, with Kivion because Kivion knows when to play it hard and flat, when to eat it over the defensive line, and that, or when he has to play, you know, almost like in the ball infield for the likes of Rice or Odegaard to, you know, start an attack. Yeah, I know. I, I, I hope we can get the result against Newcastle. Yeah. It'll be a nice game to get out of the way, I think we would have then, you know, if you yeah. look at it over the past few games, the points we've taken, you know, West Ham away would normally be a daunting task. Liverpool at the Emirates, you know, yeah. but to beat Newcastle would be an excellent result. And I think then we play Sheffield United, you know, like you said, uh, um, away from home. And then we play Brentford at home, which should be a point. I'm just getting a few fixtures. Then, then we eat the... Uh, but of a toughest fixture against Chelsea because as you saw, um, um, Chelsea did manage to take points away from City, so this title race is, is heating up, I would say, you know. And it's it's all about just putting pressure on the next team all the time. You know, there's going to be a time we probably drop points somewhere, but you know, over the next three games, we have winnable fixtures, and then before we, we take on Chelsea and City at the Etihad, which are probably going to be two um, dingers of a game. Yeah. Um, now we switch our attention to the talking points before we round off the podcast. Um, this is a couple of questions that I have for you. Um, you know the way we've been playing in the in the league. I really thought, uh, you know, we'd be a tougher nut to crack in the Champions League. But I mean, do you think like look, it's been seven years since we were 
in the Champions League. Do you think that is now also that sort of inexperience or being like kind of green, like I would say, uh, being now in the Champions League again? Like, Especially I, I 100% think that, I mean, even if you even if you don't look at it at the Arsenal uh, club point of view, that, that, you know, but in experience over the last years, but, you know, as David, the David Raya played a Champions League fixture, as Aliba played a Champions League, I mean, I mean a knockout fixture, not the, not the league, like a two-legged knockout fixture in the Champions League, um, as the likes of Saliba and Gabriel played um, a Champions League fixture, and Who's Kivio and who's Ben White? I don't think he's played. Declan Rice hasn't been a knockout fixture in the Champions League. I think it's only Havertz, you know, playing with Chelsea. I think I don't know if Odegaard played a few fixtures with Madrid, but you know, not the probably a knockout game. I don't think Odegaard repeated when they're playing that um, two-legged affairs, and even the likes of Trossard, Saka, and Martinelli. So. You know, the players themselves playing their first knockout game. A lot of them playing their first knockout game in the Champions League. And, you know, Arteta obviously himself coaching his first knockout game in the Champions League. And I think it's a bit different to, yeah. to 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 playing, you know, in the Premier League or even in the Europa League. No disrespect to the Europa League now. But, you know, it's 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 going to have to come. They're going to have to figure it out very quickly. You know, you, you can't feel too sorry for yourself. And the lack of experience definitely, I think, did play a part. And probably a bit of, you know, nerves. You don't want to find yourself chasing a game too badly at the Emirates. But it's something we're going to have to learn fast if we want to make it to the next round and compete with the likes of, you know, Real Madrid, City and Bayern Munich even. And I mean, there's like a sort of phase of of the tournament where you have to almost like come with a bit of guile and a bit of streetwise. And like for me, we came like, you know, with sort of stars in our eyes and thinking yeah. that it's uh, you know cool breezy day and whatever and, and yeah it's like you can have to almost like roll your sleeves up play it almost like as I said street wise and also use a bit more of the, the brain meta upstairs about how you're gonna get around this because I mean look look at, at, at as we mentioned earlier on with Porto I mean they clearly have a sort of game plan like if they know they are home and that they are going to use every sort of skullduggery type of trick to... Yeah, I didn't it. What did they say? Conseil Sauer is almost like the, the coach of the dark arts because he has and do all sorts of things to, you know, really get under the skin of the opposition, like whether it's time-wasting or, you know, constant rolling in front of the ref and, and, and things like that. So, and I think that is where we need to really wise up, like, you know... Where you sometimes like you know if you watch that that game even when we played at at the Emirates when we played um, Liverpool when Darwin Nunes was darting into the box and I mean Kai Havertz could have gone for a, like a clumsy tackle and the minute he saw yes uh, Nunes's whole thing he pulled his leg out of the way and Nunes ended up just like falling over him like you know over his own feet and I think that's the sort of now we need to use in this you know this phase of the tournament. No, I agree with you hundred percent to that. And the next point down to make like last point now is like you know with the future of the club now like is all like kind of settled with with certain players at the moment because look El Nini and Cedric will now be free agents in the summer because that will mean like you know almost like two positions open at the club like how will you see it like with regards to the likes of Nketiah and and Nelson and that do you also then see you know if you can get sort of offers for them and also like make a I'm not saying a con- like a full overall of the squad, but when you start bringing somebody, like say of a better strike rate than Ketia, you bring that in. You bring somebody with a more impact as a like a winger in place of Nelson. And then, of course, you 
you bring in like maybe somebody younger or from within the club to replace Almeida and Cedric. Um, my, my thoughts is hundred percent agree with you. I think Reese Nelson, you know, unfortunately, it's just you know he's had he's, he's had some moments at the club, which you know that especially that late goal against Bournemouth. But you know, other than that, he hasn't really hit the heights. You know, maybe it's down to not them playing him as much, or, or you know, maybe that was team team structure not suiting him. But I mean, you know, it's, it's not like he's. He's when he sets the world alight when he does play, you know. So that's why I, um, I did the probably avoid playing him. Yeah. In 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 crunch games, um, and Ketia as well. You know, you could rather replace him with with two, you know, younger maybe players that have the ability to, you know, almost like a younger version of Saka. I'm not saying that probably caliber or, but just a, a up and coming player that can do something that you know when he's called upon or. You know, you can throw him in, in a game and he, and almost like the way Phil Foden broke on the scene. Or, you know, so they, I'm sure there are players out there who, who you can give the opportunity to 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 play and, 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 and grow in the position. Then I think something can be done with the midfield because, you know, Jorginho's not getting any younger. Party's not staying any fitter. Yeah. Uh, well, any going, you know, you, you, you're going to need another player to carry the load of Declan Rice because, you know, yeah. Declan Rice... You know, touch wood. It's he, we've been lucky that he's just been able to soldier on and soldier on consistently. And and you know, we need to actually make sure we have a player that you know, if we should get in injury, that somebody will be able to deputize for him or someone who plays with him. You know, just shifts into his role, and then you yeah. kind of have another guy coming in to play. You know, the uh, another deep lying midfielder also. You know, like you said, it's not a major overhaul, but we need players need to have a purpose in the team. You know, you can't have any more. You know, sometimes when you see Ketia in the team and wonder, like, you know, what he, what can he do in a game like this? Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Take care, guys. Enjoy the match tonight. Bye. Let's get the three points. <laughs>